This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week is final exams week for Bates students. And last week, the men's lacrosse and baseball teams aced their tests on the field. The number one ranked women's rowing team is hitting their stride, and the tennis teams are on a roll. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The number four nationally ranked Bates men's lacrosse team visited Bowdoin on Wednesday and rallied from three goals down in the fourth quarter to win 13-12. They followed that up with a 15-12 victory over Middlebury on Saturday to improve to 10-0 on the season. The Panthers put a scare into Bates in the second half, rallying from eight goals down to get within one before the Bobcats held on for the win. So there is a lot to work on heading into their showdown next week with number two Tufts. But head coach Peter Lasagna remains impressed with his squad. I'm just really proud of these guys, and, and I think something that people should be mindful of and, and uh, I should be more mindful of is that they just won three NESCAT games in a week when they're getting ready for finals, which start on Tuesday. And so it's, it's really their performance is really impressive. Senior captain Kyle Weber scored the game-tying and the game-winning goals against Bowdoin on Wednesday. He then scored a game-high five goals on Saturday against Middlebury for his strong performances in two of the biggest tests of the season so far. Kyle Weber is our male Bobcat of the Week. You're one of the captains for the men's lacrosse team, and I see you guys in here every week in the den with Coach Lasagna talking things over for about an hour, breaking things down. What are those meetings typically like? Well, usually we're in here. Uh, Charlie, Charlie Fay, Freddie, Coach Zanya, Coach Heffel. Um, we go over our thoughts from the most recent game, really discuss in, at different parts, especially for the Middlebury game, different parts of runs, um, what we think contributed to certain parts of the game, what were some th- good takeaways, positive takeaways, things that need to be worked on, um, concerns, just anything like that. Uh, it's just great to keep an open line of communication between the coaching staff and the players. We kind of, as captains, we also serve as a sort of uh, messenger between the players and the coaches. So, I mean, it's incredible having those sort of open lines of communication. It keeps everybody on the same page, and the standards, expectations, they're all very clear. Um, and the fact that coach is willing to talk and communicate with us this much is, um, we've realized we have very similar goals and. Our ideas about how to achieve them are very similar, um, so it's much easier for us to communicate that and facilitate that throughout the rest of the team. Great, great. And so obviously this week, talking about the Middlebury victory, what, what's one major message that you want and the coaching staff wants to relay to the rest of the team about what happened this past game moving forward? Uh, well, so something was working in the first half, clearly, right? right. Uh, and then third quarter, not, not our strongest. I mean, we were playing, we still were playing hard. Uh, We weren't possessing the ball on offense uh, as well as we should have been, especially following some long defensive possessions. And I know that was one of the things that we had talked about in our meeting. But that's just the fact that we were able to weather the storm, get back to our our fundamentals, uh, what makes us a dangerous team in the fourth quarter, not get scared of the run. 
that's we've realized in SCAC lacrosse, especially at our level and the kind of play that we that we like, um, that style is always going to be going to have a lot of runs, whether it's us on the positive end of them or on the negative end of them. So being able to handle that, remain level-headed throughout, is uh, is very important. So adversity like that on on Saturday is definitely a it's not an issue. And obviously the Middlebury was able to cut your guys' lead to one. In the fourth quarter, you guys were able to get a few more goals, hang on for the win. So what was going through your mind heading into the fourth quarter, if you recall, during the game, about what needed to get done in order to hang on and get the victory? Playing smart uh, on the offensive end, absolutely. Was, we, needed a, we needed a solid possession, uh, getting some quality shots, eventually ending in a goal on the offensive end. Uh, so I said fundamentals earlier because that's ultimately what we got back to. We, I think we were getting used to dodging too long with the ball, holding the ball too long, putting us at risk for quality doubles on the on uh, Middlebury's end. Um, when in actuality, we could, we need to expose their quick slides, their quick doubles, um, and we did that. And that's how we picked up what three more goals in the fourth quarter. And you could tell they were kind of reeling. Uh, we needed to be. Especially when they started doubling behind the net with uh, with only a few minutes left because they really needed the ball back. We need to we need to protect it more. Um, but we realized, okay, that's something we can work on. So there's always takeaways, um, even in a game that's as adverse as that one was. Um, this gives us stuff to practice on this week. Yeah, well, this week is interesting because you have finals in, in the classroom, and then. Uh, later this week, I know you, you'll be able to get on the field. Maybe, uh, I know there's some voluntary practices or whatnot, but how are you personally preparing for Tufts and also trying to take your finals? Uh, well, this week, especially, we are getting back into the weight room, doing a lot of kin stretching, uh, maintaining our level of conditioning and our sticks. So that's priority number one, especially when not everyone has the same schedule. Um, we encourage everyone to take a little brain break and go play some lacrosse, be active, get a little sweat in, whatever that, whatever that may be. Um, I know um, we've already, a number of us have watched some film um, and reflected on what, the, what needs to be improved on the game. Um, and I think that's just going to factor into what the practice plan is come this weekend once everybody's back out on the practice field. But personally, I'm just, you know, trying to stay healthy, trying to maintain levels or ex um, exceed levels of conditioning that we already had. And um, I don't have a lot of finals, so okay. fortunately. <laughs> so yes, I'm. It's uh, it's kind of like being a professional lacrosse player now. But it's uh, yeah, it's relaxing. It's something I'm looking forward to doing. But yeah, absolutely. And then so I mentioned the Tufts game coming up. Obviously. These last two years, you guys have had some pretty epic games with them. Uh, what, what's your, some of your memories, uh, you know, of the games with Tufts, and what makes them such a, a, a great adversary, essentially, for the program? We have very similar styles, so I think that makes them why the games are some of the most fun, some of the most competitive we play. Um, so we're both very high pace. Uh, we like to push the ball, get a lot of shots, and. Uh, the fact that both of us kind of have that same sort of game plan, it just it makes for a lot of fun. I, I don't know if there's a particular one, particular one of the games that we've had against them that 
I've enjoyed more than others. I mean, yes, absolutely. I loved beating them in OT on Garcelon last year. That was huge. Um, but I mean, our sophomore year beating them on their home turf in the middle of the week was just, I think that kind of shocked the world and that marked what I think a changing, a turn of the tide, I suppose, um, for Bates lacrosse. So that was a huge week in Bates lacrosse history and I don't think we've looked back a whole lot since then. So, I mean, our standards have continued to go up and the expectation every year is that we're competing for the top of the NESCAC, top of the North, and all of NCAA Division III lacrosse. And and just recently, one in order to do that, you've had to go through tough. So, no, we're really excited for it. Um, yeah, we have a, a week to recover, which is nice, but I think the fact that that's the next one on the schedule is making us all super anxious to get back out there already. Sure, absolutely. Last question for you. 10-0, and 0, what does that feel like? Uh, well, I, I Coach said something the other day, actually. I forget it. I think it might have been after our Bowden game about how he's not sure the last time a Bates cross team was 9-0 and 0 or whatever. And um, I think it was just Charlie Fay and myself that were in earshot. And I said something about, yeah, that's, I guess that's pretty cool, but I don't think any one of us is particularly satisfied. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a good little number, I suppose. But, I mean, you can't just... You can't let that get to your head too much. We got to focus on the next game, um, be short-sighted, and just keep on working. All right. Well, ten and zero, but not satisfied. I'd like to hear it, Kyle Weber. Thanks so much. Thank you. The baseball team took on Bowden in NESCAC play on Friday and Saturday. On Friday, the Bobcats led 2-1 heading to the top of the ninth behind an outstanding performance from junior Connor Speed on the mound. But Bowden pushed across a run to tie the game at two. Then in the bottom of the 10th, with the score still tied, senior captain Brendan Fox stepped to the plate with runners at first and second and two outs. The stretch, the pitch. Line drive, left field, that's gonna fall for a base hit. They're gonna wave around the runner, Sylvia. The throw is not gonna be in time. The game's over, Bates wins. Three to two on the walk-off RBI single for Brendan Fox and the dog pile there between home play and the pitcher's mound. After Fox delivered the game-winning hit, he joined the Bobcast to recap the victory. I said to myself, if he throws me a fastball, I'm gonna jump out and and smash it and he threw me a fastball and I hit it well so I mean I'm happy uh, happy Sylvia was able to come around and score on that one that was a huge win for us big character win I mean Connor Speed pitched pitched very well the entire game Jake Shapiro came in to close it out so I mean can't really ask for much more honestly yeah and how much when you're in the dugout when the team's on offense how much are you thinking about your approach the next time you come to the plate against particularly a new pitcher like that um, you know, you are, but yeah, at the same time, you want us to take it one at bat at a time. I mean, I was definitely thinking about it, you know, if I, I mean, because I knew if I got up, there was going to be a guy in second. So I said to myself, if I get up, this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the game right here. So luckily it worked out the way it did. Yeah, Sylvia scored on the play. Uh, you know, initially I thought, oh, he hit too hard, right, I, into left field. What, did you, what were you thinking? I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I, I was looking at, out into left. I think I missed first. Luckily, he was able to come around and score. I mean, yeah, it's big, great, big one. How cool is it to have the dog pile there in the? Uh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was my first walk off ever, so I wasn't really sure how to, how to approach it. But uh, I ended up on the bottom of it, and uh, I think everyone, yeah, it was great. 
So nice, nice. And then the, the team itself, you know, obviously you were so close to winning it in nine innings, mm. and then a little unlucky there with that ball going off Shapiro's glove. And so, what was the team focused in the dugout after they tied it up? Yeah, I mean, we just had to come back and you know get back in the bats, forget about what happened, and just uh, you know come back, score a run, end the game. So I think it was a good job that we did that, and um, shows a lot of uh, character for sure. All right, Brendan, thanks so much. Yep, thank you. On Saturday. Bates swept the Polar Bears in a doubleheader, winning Game 1 4-3 and taking Game 2 6-3. Justin Foley and Anthony Teleska picked up wins on the mound for Bates. Pitching has been the name of the game so far for the Bobcats, who sport the best ERA in the NESCAC during their 6-0 start in conference play. But offensively, first-year Will Sylvia has emerged as a force at the bottom of the lineup. Against Bowden, Sylvia went 4-for-8 at the plate. With three runs scored, a triple, two runs batted in, and three walks. Catching up on the Bates baseball team with first-year right fielder Will Sylvia. And Will, first of all, you know, you're a first-year. I know, obviously, John Martin, first-year head coach. And so what was the process like, first of all, deciding on Bates? And then what was the transition like when you found out that it would be John Martin and not Mike Leonard yeah. as your head coach? Well, I was first recruited by Mike Leonard, as you, as you know. Um, I was excited to be part of the program, regardless of of who was at the helm of it, I guess. Um, I didn't know much about Coach Martin when he came in, when he got the job, but uh, it's everything's been good so far. It's like, um, he's a really positive guy. Um, he's just a great coach, and he's, he's doing a great job, I think, so far. What made Bates the place you wanted to go to play baseball? Yeah. Um, well, I was introduced to Bates at a pretty young age. My parents both went here, so. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew a lot about the school. Um, it just took like a tour, and I love the, you know, it's a small, really small school. Um, I love the community aspect of it. Liberal arts, of course, like I want to, you know, get a broad education, I guess. Uh, and um, it gives me an opportunity to like study a bunch of different things. And I think, you know, playing baseball, playing Division three baseball is just like, just the cherry on top, yeah. Sure, did your parents play any sports here? My dad played baseball here. My mom didn't play any sports here, no. Okay, yeah. so obviously uh, your dad being a baseball alum, yeah. seeing the team off to such a great start, you've been talking with him much about it? Yeah, he comes to most of the games. Um, he loves he loves it. He loves the sport. He loves he loves the school, so it's it's great for him to for him to be there, for him to watch me play. It's it's really great. Six and zero start to NESCAC play, I mean how exciting is that for you? That's incredible. I, I mean I hear how rare it is, but like being a freshman and having it happen. It's kind of surreal. Like I don't know, I don't know what to feel, but it's it's just it's just great things. I don't know. Then you got your first real opportunity. You had a couple of pinch hits early on. But you got your first real opportunity against Endicott, and it's kind of gone from there. And so, um, what has allowed you to ha get off to such a hot start? You think at the plate? Um, just like getting my pitch early in the count, um, and just getting the barrel to the ball. Like being at the bottom of the order, they're not going to mess around too much. They're going to come right at right come right at you. So I guess like. Uh, they're pretty much going to come with a fastball, or you know, they're not going to they're not going to whittle away. They're not going to try to. So they usually come right over the plate, and I'll get the barrel to the ball. Um, and it's just lucky for me that they they've gone for hits, so it's it's good. Yeah. Well, at the same time, you've been drawing a lot of walks too, yeah. right? So describe your approach to the plate there. Yeah. Well, I mean, being at the nine hole, uh, you got the top of the lineup right after me. So like, my objective is just to get on base, no matter what. So. Um, with McCarthy after me, it's like I just want to get on base. So if I can work a good at bat, you know, if I don't get 
exactly the right pitch to hit, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna try to put it in play because it'll it'll just be an out. So um, I'll you know try to foul off pitches until I can either draw a walk, draw a walk, or get a hit, whatever way I can. We always ask first years this, but what's maybe the big the biggest adjustment from your high school days to now? In high school, at least for the league that I played in, um, each team had like an ace, and then it just dropped off really quickly right after that. But for college, um, for in the NESCAC, I think it's definitely uh, every pitcher has you know pretty good stuff at least. Um, pitching rotations are deeper, and they'll bring in bullpen guys to like they'll even match up like lefty on lefty sometimes in the bullpen. But it seems like every pitcher's got. You know, more consistent stuff where they can locate more pitches, more of their pitches. Um, whereas in high school, you had a guy that, you know, if a guy threw 85, he would, like, just do well throwing 85. But now it's like you can't really get away with that in college. Right, right. And then you guys have been involved in some close games recently, yeah. especially against Bowdoin. Yeah. And you got the chance to score that winning run uh, on the Fox base hit in the first game of that series. So what was that play like? Because they were waving you around even though that ball was hit pretty sharply to left. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, Coach Dushler wasn't very animated uh, in waving me home, but he was just saying, he was just kind of whispering, just go, go, go. So I, I just, like, I just got the read and just, like, ran as fast as I could. I don't know. But it was like, I don't know what, I don't know what the left fielder was doing really uh I, I couldn't see because i was running the other way but I, I heard that he just like tossed the ball in i don't know and then the dog pile there between home point and yeah, cool it was supposed that? to be it was supposed to be like uh sort of like a just a group like jumping around with each other but it ended up that we just we all sort of fell over onto the ground and it was it was a mess but it was, it was fun yeah had you been part of any like walk-off wins in high school and stuff um yeah a few yeah. but unfortunately like we were actually my high school is actually on a the other side of some walk-offs um, more than we got the walk-offs so that kind of stunk but yeah nice turn around here then right? yeah it's great it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing and then you've got finals this week and so let's t tell us how you're uh, preparing for those well I'm just trying to spread out my time wisely I guess uh, both my finals are on Friday so um, I have the whole week to to plan and to study effectively and uh, my parents have got on me they just, they just don't forget about finals like <laughs> The weather's really nice, but uh, yeah, we, we can't forget about finals. Well, the weather's really nice. I mean, now, yeah. right? And you you had to play there at Colby, but it seems like you guys love that field. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's acting as our home field right now. So we played played all six of our NESCAC games there. So I think we're gonna get a game in hopefully soon on our, our home field here at Bates. Yeah, there's a non-conference game scheduled now Saturday yep. there at Leahy. So how excited are you to get out onto the home field? Yeah, that's gonna be great. That's gonna be uh, a fun experience. Um, a real a real good atmosphere here to play a home game same field your dad played on or yeah it wasn't exactly the same field I think they moved it around a little bit um, uh, he played in the 80s so I'm not sure how it was then but I could probably ask him he'd, he'd, tell, me, <laughs> he'd tell me all about it so. yeah right yeah. all right well Will Sylvia congrats again on your great start to the season and thanks so much for the update on the Bates baseball team yeah thank you a lot the track and field teams hosted MIT, Tufts, and RPI on Saturday in their second outdoor meet of the season the men finished first and the women finished second to National Power MIT. On the men's side, junior Adedire Fakaridi won the hammer throw and the shot put while finishing second in the discus. Senior captain Patrick Griffin won the 800-meter run, and junior Stephen Rowe took home the top spot in the 10,000 meters. Junior Jack Kiley finished first in the 1,500 meters, and sophomore Tyler Harrington won the javelin throw. Meanwhile, senior Blake Downey placed first, 
in the decathlon. On the women's side, senior captain Allison Hill earned NESCAC Track Athlete of the Week honors with her victory in the 100-meter and the 400-meter hurdles. Senior captain Jessica Wilson won the 1,500-meter run, and sophomore Aiden Eikhoff won the 800-meter run. But our female Bobcat of the Week is NESCAC Field Athlete of the Week, junior Sally Cisse. She won the triple jump by breaking the 40-foot barrier for the first time with a win-aided distance of 40 feet, 1.25 inches. And she finished third in the long jump with a career-best 17 feet, 11.75 inches. Cissé ran the opening leg for the second-place Bates 4x100 relay team as well. I'm really excited. Um, whenever I get a chance to do something outside of triple jump, um, I'm, like, jumping for joy because <laughs> as fun as triple jump is, it's always, it's always fun to, like, get my foot into something new, um, being able to, especially with the relay. The relays are the most fun event in track and field. Not only are you um, able to run with your teammates, but it's just the excitement that surrounds the event itself is just amazing. Yeah, because the 4x100, I mean, you're you're off, and then you're going as fast as you can for 100 meters, and then you watch the rest of them go, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I really like starting, but sometimes it can be the scariest start because if it if you don't start off right, then sometimes it can go downhill from there. But um, yeah, um, once the gun goes off, I black out. So that's always a good part. With the um, other legs, there's no gun. So all it's right. just all on their own. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm always excited um, watching my other three teammates, Allie, Claire, and Tristy. Um, they are amazing. So being able to just hand it off and know that the baton is in great hands, it's just calming for me. So I, I know like they'll get the job done. Um, it's going to be a fast time. Yeah. So yeah. tricky handoff when it's a sprint like that. Cause I know I saw the distance relays at, uh, at nationals and indoors where, you know, you have a little bit of a running start or whatever, but how does it work yeah. for a sprint like that? So, um, for the four by one, it's a blind start. Um, for the incoming runner, you're trying to come in as fast as you can. And same with the outgoing runner, you're trying to just get out, um, start off strong. Um, we, you wait for a cue. So when we're about a stride behind the next leg, you say, we, we've developed a new word, we say reach. Normally people say stick, but uh, we say reach and that outgoing leg tries to um, bring their hand back as fast as they can so they can grab that baton. And it's always tricky because you're running really fast and you, the baton is shaking sometimes as right. you're running. So you need, it's a lot of hand-eye coordination trying to get that stick into the other person's hand, but it takes a lot of practice. We practice three days a week with that, but yeah, it's paying off. And then the long jump, I know you mentioned during indoors that Tristy has been a, kind of your mentor in that event and you, you actually jumped farther than her this time. So what was that like? It was very surprising. Um, the long jump, long jump isn't something that I normally practice. Um, I actually don't practice at all. It's I think it's because um, my last phase in triple jump is more so of a long jump. Mm -hmm. So because I've been practicing with that and trying to strengthen that, I think it spilled over into my long jump. And same thing with um, being in the weight room three days a week, getting stronger, I think getting faster, I think all of that has played into my long jump specifically. But yeah, nothing specific around the long jump. So like all of those factors. So I would love to see where long jump training could take me if I was to uh, focus in on that. Mm -hmm. But I guess we'll see how this season goes and see if my coaches will allow that to happen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, excellent. I know this is finals week, and it sounds like you have a lot of finals, so tell us about what you're studying. <laughs> yeah, so um, 
I am in biochemistry um, too and physics too right now. So those are like my heavy loads. I actually have the exam in uh, two hours, <laughs> but I'm not a, um, a morning uh, right before the exam studier. I like to do my studying like the beginning of the week and the night before. I like to take the morning as uh, getting my head in the, like, like I would as a, at a track meet, getting my head in the game, getting focused, uh, getting ready, not stressing myself out too much. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, physics is in two days from now, so I get to relax in between. My entire class after biochem plans on going to like Dairy Joy as a tr as a trip because we're like we'll be done, and I only have one more class for my major after this. So senior year is gonna be a breeze. I'm so <laughs> excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> That's awesome. And obviously, we have short term coming up, which I know everyone always looks forward to, right? Yes, I'm taking a course that um, focuses on Indonesian music. Mm. So it's really nice. It's really different from all the science classes that I take throughout the year. So whenever I get to ch take something different, I'm like really excited about. And the weather, it's amazing. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. Well, especially for outdoor track, because finally, I mean, I know even as last week, people were shoveling off the track. And I, did you do any of that? Uh, <laughs> 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 um, I didn't really get uh, no, around to shoveling. Okay, yeah. You were too busy <laughs> studying. I right? was too busy. Yeah, yeah, I was too busy yeah. studying, but um, I I did not think that this tr that track meet was gonna happen. <laughs> Looking at the amount of snow that was on there just literally three days before, um, I'm so proud of my team. They really got in there and they got the job done. And um, it was also sad knowing that we were one day away from perfect weather because the track meet was still really windy, really cold. Like even my jump, it was um. The wind was an illegal wind, so <laughs> right, right. so wind aided or yeah, wind yeah. aided. So like knowing that, and then knowing that the next day would be almost sixty degrees, like broke my heart. But like I'm excited for the meets to come because then I know that I can build from where I am now. So it's exciting. Excellent. Well, Sally Cisse, our female Bobcat of the Week and the NESCAC Field Performer of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. The rowing teams competed at the WPI Invitational on Sunday. The number one nationally ranked women's rowing team picked up big wins from their first and their second in varsity eight over defending national champion and number four nationally ranked Wellesley, as well as number nine WPI and number 13 Trinity. Senior captain Molly Pritz joined the Bobcast to talk about beating the defending national champs and more. It was definitely a good way to test our speed. Um, we haven't had much water time, but um, going up against them is always fun. It's fun in the beginning of the season to just kind of see where everybody else falls and hope that we just gain speed from there. Yeah, because, I mean, leading up to New England's and whatnot, it's really about, you know, it's almost like these races are almost like further just training almost, right? Yeah, a lot of it is about preparation for the championship races. We kind of try to execute them all the same way, um, especially this race in particular. We were on Lake Quinsigamond, which is where the championship races are. So we, by championship season, we're familiar with it, and we kind of try to treat it as our home course. We arrive early, and we kind of take control and um, make it our own territory. I know in the past you've had some races with the first varsity eight, but you've been in the second varsity eight come championship time. What's it like this year, you know, being the stroke position for the first varsity eight? It's a lot of fun. I've raced with a lot of these people before in different boats, um, so it's fun to just come together again and test our speed in different lineups and see where we can where we can take it and for those who don't know the stroke position what makes it unique i think personally i think it gets a little bit more hype than it deserves okay a lot of um a lot of the focus is often put on the stroke but i think everything i do is dependent upon the bow six of the boat so if they're not giving me the power or the um, rhythm or anything to work with then 
I can't really do my job there. But um, a lot about a lot of it is about the composure that you can keep and um, just being able to, to execute the race plan properly and not really lose your cool if you're down or if you're up or in, if there are any surprises. So must be nice for the team. I mean, you got two very experienced coxswains, you know, with, with track for the first varsity eight and Abby with the second varsity eight. How are they similar? How are they different? Um, <laughs> it's a tough question. Yes, they're both very experienced and um, cap- the best, they're the best coxswains in the NESCAC, I would argue. So um, we're really lucky to have that. And most of it is just about the way they work with the crews. So a lot of, a lot of it is the personality of the crews and whether it's a young crew or an experienced crew. Um, specifically, I think they, they just have certain phrases that they use, that kind of thing, but, um, and the tone. But other than that, uh, if you're in one boat or the other, it's not going to make too much of a difference. I got you. And then now we're, um, we're, as we're recording this interview, the most recent rankings from last week, you're tied with Wesleyan for number one in the country. I know it's probably pretty arbitrary right now, but you do get to face them this week. So how exciting is that? Yeah, that'll be really exciting. And the um, course that we're on is at Tufts, and there is only enough room for two boats at once. So it's kind of like Keats and Finals. So you go out and you race head-to-head with one other team. And then um, you come back, you have about five minutes on the dock to stretch and grab some water, and then you're back out to race either the winner or the loser of the previous um, race. So it's it's really head-to-head racing, um, and it's tight. There are turns, and it's technical, so it'll be a lot of fun. Oh, so it's 2K, but there's turns? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not like your typical right. um, championship race course where there are about six lanes, and they're all buoyed and straight. Um, I think there are two turns in this one, and it's extremely narrow. So Interesting. So it's not a direct comparison to what you'll face like at the NCAAs, but it's still helpful, right? Yeah. It's not exactly the same, but it becomes <laughs> it becomes really exciting because you're really in it with just one other crew. Uh, any other thoughts on how the season's going so far, uh, you know, what your hopes are here going moving forward? It's going well. I think um, the attitudes are good across all four boats, and um, – we're looking forward to just getting more water time and hopefully getting out to the boathouse, making use of it this, yeah, right. the end of this week, hopefully. But, um, yeah, we have a lot of speed, and now we just get to kind of rein it in and be technical with it. Yeah, you finally get to use the new boathouse this spring soon, right? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, with this weather, it'll be pretty soon. All right, yeah, nice and sunny outside. Finally, uh, Molly Pritch, thanks so much. Thank you. The women's and men's tennis teams earned some key NESCAC wins last week. It started on Wednesday, with the men upending rival Colby by a count of 7-2. Then the men won again on Sunday, knocking off Trinity 9-0. After a loss to Amherst on Saturday, the women prevailed 7-2 over Trinity on Sunday for their second NESCAC win of the year. Head coach Paul Gassingay updates us on Bates Tennis. The men's team, three straight wins, three straight NESCAC wins on top of that, going back a little bit farther uh, earlier in the year, and so um, I know... From a scheduling perspective, it seems to be working out where you really schedule these tough, warm-weather schools early to prepare the team for NESCAC play, right? That's that's the idea. We're trying to play the best competition we can, so we, we start off right at the beginning of the season playing top schools out in California, and then we also play a bunch of schools, you know, whether it's MIT, indoors when we come back, um, or uh, the trip down in Virginia where we, we play a lot of uh, top 20 nationally ranked schools. And it's to get that experience and to get that level before we hit our NESCAC 
uh, schedule uh, in full swing. And, you know, it, every year, you know, we, we challenge ourselves and it's not about the win-loss record. I mean, I could build my schedule a lot more <laughs> uh, right. favorably for a win-loss column. But the idea is we have to be seasoned, we have to be tough, so that at the end of the, at the, end of the year, um, if we're in postseason, which is the goal, we'll be, we'll be ready to go and it'll be that, that type of level that we've played every single match. I know I talked with Ben Rosen last week. He said you know, one of his goals this year is for the team to make it to that NESCAC tournament because it hasn't happened during his time here uh, last couple of years. And so um, you guys already have three wins under your belt you know, in the can, if you will. So what's it going to take down the stretch to, to get into that tournament? Well, we just have to keep getting better every day. You know, everyone we play is, is really solid and, and good. And, uh, you know, that's that's been our objective from the beginning of the year is to just get stronger. And it's we've weathered uh, a very difficult period in our schedule where we have the two weeks leading into final exams. You know, thesis was due, uh, end of semester papers and, and tests, and then exams this week. So, you know, between the men and the women, we played um, – seven matches in eight days last week so it was a very busy week um so it's yeah it's par for the course though we we have to we have to just hit that part of our season in stride and and do the best we can and get through it but i'm really pleased with the way they've budgeted their time and the way they've really uh buckled down to persevere in this very difficult week yeah now short term the athletes must love that right they do, uh, and I know Ben is not taking a class this year, and I'm not sure if Chris is, but it's it's always a, a nice time of the year to get some extra training in and uh, without the, the pressures or, or being sleep-deprived like they are right now. So. <laughs> right, right. The women's team, nice victory the other day. What was working out there? Well, it's amazing. We haven't been outside uh, since we were down in Virginia, and... We only got outside one day in Virginia because it was cold and raining. Um, so we really haven't played much outside. I think we, since California, we played one other match outside in Virginia, and then we had this uh, match with with Trinity on Saturday against Amherst. It was it was t too cold and windy, and so we went inside. But um, on Sunday we got outside. It was 65 degrees, and Trinity has been outside for the last month. Um, so it's it's a huge adjustment dealing with the wind, dealing with just the visual, uh, the depth perception and all that. When you have a, a clear blue sky and a sun up there and you're trying to hit an overhead and you're used to having a, a roof over your head, it's very different. So I, I was very pleased with the way they handled. Uh, they've been preparing it uh, diligently every day and, and working working hard. The doubles was amazing. We had two hard-fought victories and they almost clinched at the same time uh both uh eight six and uh they were they were uh just in the thick of it right there at the end they were both in a deuce uh game situation where they kept going to add out deuce add in and you know they both lasted about five minutes and we we clinched both of those at two and three who are some women's players who have really stood out to you so far i know like elizabeth urbafina was all as a reliable player and Maisie and and bella but maybe some other players may a little more under the radar yeah, I mean, we, we look at it, we're, we're a team and everyone contributes and even the players that don't get to play in the lineup are pushing the, the players that are in the lineup and they're working hard every day. So I give the whole team credit, but, you know, our first year, uh, Isabel Ravinsky is really doing a great job in her first go around. 
and uh, had a great uh, win yesterday. But, you know, Kate Rosenthal played well, Maisie, Bella, Elizabeth, all the way down. Uh, Libby has was 0-0 against Trinity, which is hard to do in the first time outside for a, a while. But she she's so tenacious and just she'll play a 20-minute point if you have if you have to. So <laughs> Uh, it's the type of thing where if she's in the wrong spot and she's, she's uh, playing a point, you literally you can coach two other matches and then come back to hers and she's still playing that same point. So, <laughs> Yeah, so speaking of that, as the coach, you know, during these matches, a bunch of matches going on at once, how do you try to balance your time and how do you do, you do a whole lot of instructing during the actual matches or no? Uh, not so much instructing, and we'll give reminders and cues. You know, if there's a technique thing we've been working on on a serve, let's say, that will will help them uh, come through. But you know, we have to kind of uh, split our time and look at who's doing well and seems to have control over the match, and and give them a quick reinforcement. Keep keep doing what you're doing. This is working, or or tweak this. But it it really takes. It's like having six games going on at once. And you have to judge the, the not only the strategy and what tactics to employ, but you know what trends are going on with each individual opponent and what's working well for each of our players against that type of opponent. So, um, you know, it just I've been doing it for a long time, so I'm, I, I I have a a pretty good handle on on what to adjust, and it's usually something simple, and it's obviously stuff we've practiced every day. Uh, the patterns that we use, the type of tactics and strategy that we use is something that we've done in practice leading up. And, you know, associate head coach Sam Woods does an amazing job helping to prepare the teams. And so um, I have him to help me out and and our volunteer assistant, Ron Chicoin, who does, you know, they both do a great job when we have match play. So I'm, I'm not the only one out there. It's nice to have some support. And you got some student athletes handling the Twitter, right? I believe so. <laughs> <laughs> that technology uh, evades me a little bit. I don't have time to tweet while I'm coaching. I remember one time Kevin said, geez, you did an amazing job tweeting during nationals. I'm like, I'm not tweeting. <laughs> we had uh, we had one of our guys on the sideline doing that. What are you kind of hoping to see now as we're into the warmer weather? Uh, what are some maybe goals you have in your mind for both teams? Well, again, we're just continuing to get better every day, and we keep keep building on the strengths that we've developed over the season. I think we're we're hitting a good stride. We're 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 peaking at the right time this year. Uh, we had a lot of close losses early in the year, but we have some young kids on both sides who you know uh, were never exposed to this type of level and that kind of stress, and uh, they're they're really seasoned now. And we have a, a great group of veterans who are doing a great job leading the team and. So, uh, you know, we're just going to stay the course and just keep getting better. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where we are at the end of the year. But um, we just control our preparation, and that's what we'll do. All right, Paul Gassingay, thanks so much for the tennis update. Appreciate right. it. Good to see you. Thanks. The women's lacrosse team dropped a close one to Bowdoin on Wednesday by a score of 10-9. to And they traveled to National Power Middlebury on Saturday, falling 15-7. to They will look to get back on the winning track next week against Tufts and Connecticut College. Meanwhile, the softball team dropped NESCAC contests to Trinity and Tufts over the weekend, but they finally get to play some home games next Monday when Thomas College visits Bates for a 3 o'clock doubleheader. Elsewhere this week, the track and field teams head to the UNH Wildcat Invitational, the rowing teams are at Tufts, and the baseball team competes at home in non-conference action on Saturday and on Monday as well. 
We'll recap it all next time on the Bates Bobcast. Bates, Bates, my children, my children.